Well, it's great to be here, uh, excited and uh, reminded through what we've just been singing that the reason we're here is because of Jesus, isn't it? So I hope that even though we're going to be discussing some topics that might be a bit touchy, uh, might provoke some emotions, that, that we're all focused on why we're here, and that is, that is Jesus and the gospel. Today is called uh, Gospel and Class, and we often use gospel as a prefix for, for so many things that we do today, don't we? We have churches advertising for gospel workers. We hear people described as good gospel people or as gospel-hearted we look at having gospel churches and gospel communities. We work in having gospel partnerships. But what is the characteristics of what makes us gospel? What should we be expected to display if we want to have the prefix gospel before our hearts, our churches, and our organizations? Well, this morning what I want us to do is take a look at God's Word and see what He says about gospel what gospel means. So if you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3, while you're looking for that, just give you a little bit of, of context. This letter was wrote by the Apostle Paul while he was a prisoner in Rome. And he wrote it to the Ephesian church to, to strengthen them, to remind them of the love and grace of God uh, that was given for them. And he wanted to remind them that even though they were seen by the Jewish people that they were once seen as sinful, dirty little scumbags. Now, they were on an equal footing with the Jewish people, with God's people. He wanted to remind them that they shared in the privileges and blessings of God's people. And chapter 3 starts off by saying, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in him and through faith. In him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, which is alive, which has power, and we pray that through your word and by your spirit, you will speak to us today, that you will challenge us, that you will encourage us, that you will equip us to be more like your son, Jesus. In his precious name we pray, amen. Amen. So let's look at the verse first. It says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. So Paul was someone who was a gospel worker. 
a gospel worker who gave up everything to preach the gospel. He was a Jew of Jews. He was accepted and respected by the elite, by his people, and he gave that all up. He gave away material possessions. He gave up status. He, he gave, gave up his friends. He gave up his family, and he gave up his freedom. For the gospel, Paul was willing to take risks. Paul was willing to become uncomfortable. And we take risks every day, don't we? Some of us take risks in, in our investments, in, in getting mortgages, in our pensions, in setting up businesses. Some of us even take risks by going to uni or Bible college. Will the expense that we pay in going to uni benefit us when it increases our job prospects when we leave? Life is full of risks. But as a church, as Christians, we can be very, very risk-averse. We very rarely take risks for the sake of the gospel. Why is that? What is the fear in taking risks for the gospel when God's word tells us in Matthew 6, 19-21, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If we want to be known as gospel people, if we want to be gospel workers, if we want our churches to be seen as gospel churches, we must be willing to take risks for the gospel. And today is about challenging all of us, asking ourselves, are we willing to take risks for the gospel? Because if we're not, can we all hand on heart say that we are gospel-centered? If we have the term gospel applied to us, to our hearts or our job specs or to our churches or our partnerships, we need to be willing to get uncomfortable for the gospel. We need to make risks for the gospel. We need to take risks for the lost, for those that are missing from our churches, which is 45% of the country. It is the poor, it is the working class. We need to ask ourselves, are we willing to get uncomfortable for Jesus, trusting in him and his providence? Are we willing to get uncomfortable so that we see our pews reflecting our country and not just an homogenous people group? We need to be willing to get uncomfortable and make sacrifice for Jesus. We need to make ourselves uncomfortable and take risks for the lost. We need to ask ourselves, are we willing to do that or do we just want to keep things how they are? Do we want to keep the same old, same old? Do we want a comfortable Christian life? Paul goes on in verses 2 to 6. It says, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me. For that is the mystery made known to me by revelation. I have already written briefly in reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to people in other generations as it is now being revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. So Paul is, is, is telling the church in Ephesus that God's magnificent eternal plan is to unite sinful people with God and to unite sinful people with one another. 
After thousands of years of illusions and hints about what God was going to do, he, he now finally reveals his plan, his eternal plan, his saving plan, his gospel in an entirety. A full gospel, not, uh, not just an eluded gospel, but the total gospel. The gospel shows us that Jesus has saved a new people group, not one people group, not the Jews, a new people group of every tribe and of every nation throughout the country. A people that once was divided from God because of sin, now united because of Jesus. A people group once divided amongst each other, now united by Jesus. A people group who are now equal. A people group who are on the same playing field. A people group who are members together of the same church. Sharers in the hope of the resurrection. The gospel brings equity to God's people. The gospel brings equality to God's people. The gospel brings impartiality to God's people. The gospel is fair. The Bible doesn't say in Genesis that God created different races, the rich, the poor. And then he divided them into social groups, the poor, the working class, the middle class, and the upper class. That isn't what Genesis teaches us. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. The class system is a result of the fall, a symptom of sin. And it's eliminated by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to ask ourselves today, the whole point of today is to ask ourselves, are we shown impartiality? Are our churches and organizations fair? Our, are our churches and organizations equal? If we look at our seminaries, how many students are from working class and poor backgrounds? If we look at our churches, are the pews filled with people from poor and working class backgrounds? Who are making the decisions on funding? Who are leading the boards of our organizations? Our, are our boards fair? Are our boards equal? Are our boards impartial? If we look at the partnerships, gospel partnerships, if we look at the FIC and Acts 29 and all these organizations that are running Christianity in this country, are we seeing diversity? Are we seeing equality? Are we seeing equity? Because if we're not, can we really hand on heart say that we are gospel-centered? If we are gospel people with gospel hearts in gospel churches, reaching people for the gospel, we need to be shown equity. We need to be shown equality. We need to be impartial and we need to be fair. Because if not, we need to remove gospel as the prefix. Verses 7 and 9 say, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. The gospel humbles Paul. 
This once proud man who was trying to wipe out Christianity has had his sin exposed by the gospel and it humbles him. It even humbles him in his humility. He says that he's a servant of the God, that he is only useful because of God's grace and God's power, and he says he is the worst of all God's people. The gospel brings humility to Paul, a once proud man. The gospel has smashed Paul's pride. It's exposed him as a filthy scumbag. It's exposed his sin in his heart. It's exposed his need for a saviour. It's exposed his need for Jesus. The gospel has humbled Paul. He knows he's useless without the power of God and without the grace of God. And Paul devoted his life to people he once hated because of the humility that God had put in his heart through the gospel. You see, it's our pride that separates us from God. It's our pride that separates us from one another. It's our pride that causes division. But the gospel puts us all on the same playing field. The gospel should humble us all. The reason why me and Mez are speaking here today might surprise some people. It's not because we're angry men from up north who want to bash the church. We're here because we love Jesus. We're here because we love you the church. We're here because we love the lost and we want them to be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This conference is about working class and middle class people swallowing the pride and coming together to work together for the gospel. It's about us coming together and worshipping together. It's about us coming together to pray with one another. It's about us to share our skills and resources together for the sake of the lost and for the glory of God. Two people groups separated by class, two people groups separated by culture and fear and bias, but united by the fact without Jesus that we're all dirty, filthy little scumbags destined to hell. That's a fact. No matter how much money we've got in our bank accounts, without the gospel, we're all going to hell. Two people groups saved. Saved because Jesus was betrayed. He was accused. He was abandoned. He was rejected. He was persecuted. He was whipped to within an inch of his life. His bones were exposed as his flesh was ripped from his back. He was forced and humiliated to walk up a hill carrying a cross. Where he was nailed to that cross. And mocked as he took his final breaths. People were continuing to abuse and reject him as he was dying. And he did that for the glory of his Father and for his church, for us. And if that doesn't humble us, if that doesn't give us a desire to work for one another, for this church and for the loss of this country, then nothing will. The gospel should humble us. Are we humbled by the gospel? Are we willing to swallow our pride to be humbled, to acknowledge we might have some things wrong, to listen to people we don't normally listen to and think that they might have something right? Does this gospel humble enough, humble us enough so that we're willing to work together to see Jesus glorified and the lost one for Christ? Because if we're not, can we really say that we are gospel-centered people? Let's look at the final verses. Verses 10 to 11 says, His intent 
was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sorry. Since the beginning of time, it was God's plan. It was God's intention to show the heavenly host to reveal over millennia his plan for his church. Angel and demons have been watching from the beginning of creation. How is God going to fix this mess from the fall to, to God's first sign of grace and mercy in the garden to God creating the people for himself with Abraham to God's people being held in bondage in Egypt to them being rescued from them being rescued to finding the promised land to their rebellion from their rebellion to the exile from, from their exile to the return from the return of, of, of Jesus the Saviour coming to his death on the cross. Over millennia, God's people have been playing out God's plan. And the angels and the demons have been wondering, what is God doing? And now it is finally revealed. Man's failure, God's patience. Man's failure, God's power, grace and mercy played out. God's multifaceted wisdom, the church, joined together in equality, diversity, equity like never ever seen before god's people the church displaying heaven on earth all this done for the heavenly realms to sit and marvel at god's wisdom at how we bring sinful fallen divided man together replicating heaven on earth a gospel church displays the manifold wisdom of god a gospel church shows the wisdom of God is a vision of heaven. It features every people from every nation and every tribe. God's wise eternal plan is to display his glory through his wisdom, through the multicolored, multicultural church. Therefore, if we look around our churches and we see people just like us, doing things just like us, worshipping God just like us, dressed just like us and talking just like us, and that satisfies us and that doesn't concern us, then we seriously need to question ourselves, are we really gospel people? Are we really a gospel church? Twelve and thirteen says, in him and through faith in him we approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Paul explains that because of the gospel, believers can go before God with freedom and confidence. And he tells the church in Ephesus to be encouraged. I am struggling, I am suffering, but be encouraged because this struggle has a purpose. This struggle will see you sharing the glory of God. My struggle is for your glory. And uniting our church, uniting our divided church will be a struggle. It will be difficult. Some of you will have seen the arguments on Twitter this week. Do you know what? That isn't a bad thing. That's a good thing because it means that people with different opinions are having dialogue. There's going to be struggles. There's going to be mistakes. It's going to be hard. People are going to have to hear things that they don't want to hear. But if that means that through this dialogue, that through this suffering, we can still have that same freedom and confidence to go before our God 
and pray that our hearts be changed, that we have a desire to understand one another, to learn from one another, to work for one another, so that we can see the loss of this country, sharing the glory of God, that Jesus died for us so we could share in his glory, then it makes it all worthwhile, doesn't it? We need to be coming before God in freedom and confidence, understanding that through his power and grace, we can all work together for the sake of this country's lost. So as we finish, let's pray that as we leave here today, we will have the desire not to just be called gospel people, but to live and act like gospel people. Let's just pray that as a people of God, that we will be willing to suffer for the gospel, that we'll be willing to take risks for the gospel. Let's pray that we will be churches that reflect the gospel. And let's pray that we'll be a people that are united in the gospel for the glory of God and the sake of the lost. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. And I just pray this morning as we look at some difficult subjects that we will have the love and mercy in our hearts that you have shown us for your son, Jesus Christ. Be with us and bless this day, we pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen.